0: Welcome to Your Life Now Radio Show, where your life matters. Your host, Coach Rhea, is a certified professional life coach with a passion to help make the difference in the world. Your Life Now Radio Show brings you powerful resources and effective tips to help you live your best life ever. And now, here's your host, Coach Rhea.
1: Hello, my friends, and welcome. You are listening to your Life Now Radio Show. I am your host, Coach Ria. Thank you so much for joining us, as always. So pleased and so grateful for each one of you guys for listening to the show live, archived, for downloading the show, supporting the show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, and of course, here on Block talk radio thank you and I'm always grateful for you guys so um you know just a quick intro I am the founder and the CEO of your life now and as you know it's a professional coaching training and also we do a lot of PR and media promotion for our guests here on the show so welcome and uh, I'm gonna say my intention before we get we dig right into today's show as always my intention of doing a show, as always, is to inspire you. I like to inspire you to make some positive changes in your life so you can live the life that you desire. It's really all up to you. So all I ask of you is to have an open mind and an open heart. Take what is useful uh, from the show and uh, see if it helps you in your life. And that's all it takes. So I thank you for being you know, there and listening and for having an open mind and open heart. And remember, it's your life, so why don't you live it your way? And uh, again, for more information on us here on the show, make sure you visit our website at www.yourlifenow.info. Again, that's yourlifenow.info. And uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, And we will get right into our special show for today. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you so much.
0: Your Life Now Radio Show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments.
1: Come back, my friends. You are listening to your life now radio show. I am your host, Cotria. Thanks again for joining us. Whether you are listening to the show live or archive, I do appreciate each one of you. Today we have the highlight of 2014, the best of the best part three this week, and I have to tell you the highlight of 2014 for me. And Your Life Now radio show is having Dr. Bruce Lipton on the show. What an honor. What an honor to have him. I hope you guys enjoy our episode with Dr. Bruce Lipton as much as we did here at Your Life Now radio show. And uh, so here, stay tuned and enjoy the conversation with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton. Hi, Bruce. It's Rhea. How are you?
2: I am a happy person, and how are you?
1: (laughs) I am fantastic. You have no idea how excited I am to have you be speaking with you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, my friend.
2: Well, thank you, darling, because every time we talk to people out in your audience, we're advancing evolution, so that's really a good plan.
1: I have a great guest for you today, and he is a very special guest for me because I have been... Fan of his work for a long time, and uh, his book *The Biology of Believe, the best-selling author Dr. Bruce Lipton, had changed my life for the better because I understand more, I've learned more, and it really. Um, it, it, it proves to you that knowledge is power. And the more we understand, and if you have so many questions about why things they are the way they are in your life, and we have discussed the beliefs here on the show many times, uh, um, but we have not yet had a scientist who has the ability to bridge science and spirit together and explain it to us, how our body is a reflection of our beliefs, in what we think about, so it is my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Bruce Lipton, and for those of you, and I cannot even imagine who does not know who Dr. Bruce Lipton is, I can tell you he has a great resume. Dr. Bruce Lipton is internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit. He is a stem cell biologist who is best known for promoting the idea that genes, And DNA can be manipulated by a person's beliefs. His book including The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, The Wisdom of Yourself, and the recent publishing The Honeymoon Effect, The Science of Creating Heaven on Earth. It is my pleasure to have him on the show. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Lipton, and I know you like to be called Bruce, so I, I want to welcome you. Way. Thank you so much for being <laughs> here, Bruce.
2: Thank you, Ria. Thank you for this opportunity, and I so appreciate this because there's an opportunity here to provide uh, knowledge, and as you opened up, knowledge is power. And We've essentially been disempowered by the prevailing knowledge about who we are and how we function, and a new biology is coming forth that is a science that is fully empowering because it says that we're not victims of our genetics and our heredity, as people believe, but we actually control our genetic activity and can rewrite our genetic activity through our perceptions of life, our beliefs, and and this becomes really wonderful because this is empowerment.
1: This truly is. You know, I have to tell you, back in high school... I never liked biology. <laughs> I was actually very terrified of biology because I was like, couldn't see the, you know, the, 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 um, the scene of blood or anything like that. I have a brother who is a doctor. He's an MD. And uh, now I have so much respect for biology. And of course, when you introduce it the way you introduce it in, in your uh, book, The Biology Believe, I've been fascinated since then. Wanted to want to learn more. What makes us who we are? You know, and and it's it's fascinating how you put a twist on it and you call it the new biology, of course, because it's really not what your average biology is.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's basically, unfortunately, much of the programming that almost everyone has is a programming of disempowerment because we've been programmed to believe that genes control our lives and the characteristics of not just our physical expression, but genes control our emotions, our behavior, etc., And when you buy into that belief, then really what you're buying into is victimization, meaning, as far as we know, we didn't pick the genes we came with. And if we don't like the the genes that we have, we can't really do anything about it. And then we realize, oh, my goodness, we're giving up power over our lives to these genes. Uh, And this is what most people have uh, learned in their education, that genes control life. And... This is unfortunate because when we give them that science that genes are, are in charge, that disempowers an individual and says, oh, I, I don't control my life. I'm a victim of these genes. If there's disease running in my family, I'm um, recipient of these genes, and I can expect the same thing. And once that happens, it's so unfortunate because um, – we give up control mm-hmm. and then look for other people to take control—a rescuer, so to speak—somebody who says, "Who says? Oh, I can help you." And of course, who steps into that slot but the pharmaceutical industry? And uh, this is quite unfortunate because they're really not there to help us; they're really there to help themselves. And yeah. uh, that uh, the pharmaceutical industry has been one of the destructive forces because it prevents us from owning responsibility and taking charge of our own lives.
1: Yep, that's so true. You know, when we talk about power and, 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 and uh, giving away our power, and, of course, you know, I mean, there is, we, we live in the information age, right? There is so much information out there. And, yes, information and knowledge is power, but I think you, we, we need to be selective of what we accept as information as well. That's why you heard me in the beginning saying, question everything. I mean, I come in, in a state in my life right now that I don't just take things for whatever it is. I want a fact. I want to, like, find it. Like, who did the day, you know, who did the research on this? And how did they come up with this research? Because we tend to, like, again, I mean, even our belief, I mean, adding our belief system on top of it, you know, adding the fact that we are programmed, continue to be programmed to think in a certain way, To accept a certain information and to live our life in a certain way, like you said, giving away our power, giving away, you know, so someone else is going to be, it's like you pop it, you know, like somebody else controlling you instead of you controlling your life. Crazy. But I know you, go ahead.
2: This was, I was contributing to that uh, when I was teaching in medical school because I was teaching conventional curriculum, the stuff that we find in the textbooks, and I was teaching that to medical students. And while I was teaching that, I was teaching uh, what we would call then uh, genetic determinism, uh, which essentially means genes determine the character of your life. Uh, and th- again, that's the belief that the genes have power over you. What was interesting is while I was doing um that teaching uh, uh I was also doing research on stem cells mm-hmm. and this was like 47 years ago uh basically there were only a handful of us in the entire world that even knew what a stem cell was way back then mm-hmm. and a stem cell is the equivalent of an embryonic cell in your body and the reason we have them is every day we lose hundreds of billions of our cells hundreds of billions of our cells die from just normal aging or damage. And why that's important is that, well, then every day you have to replace hundreds of billions of your cells because how many days can you go in a row if you don't replace these dying cells? You're going to die yourself. So um, nature has provided us, uh, even in our, our you know, adult bodies, all these embryonic cells that allow us to maintain our biology. So what I did 47 years ago, Uh, is I took one stem cell and put it in a Petri dish all by itself. And the cell divides every 10 or 12 hours. So first is one, then two, and then four, eight, 16. It keeps doubling. And after a week, I have, let's say, 50,000 cells in the Petri dish. The most important understanding from this work so far is that all of the cells in the dish came from the same parent cell. So essentially, I have 50,000 genetically identical cells in a Petri dish. Now, the experiment that I did that blew my mind and changed my whole life is we grow cells in a culture medium, and, and culture medium is the environment that cells live in. And in fact, uh, in designing culture medium, uh, we go to the organism from which we get the cells, look at the composition of the blood, because in a body, the, the blood is the equivalent of culture medium, and we try to make a synthetic culture medium based on that. And here's what I did. I took the 50,000 cells and split them into three different Petri dishes, and I changed the chemical composition of the culture medium a little bit in each of the three dishes. So I refer to environment A in one dish, the cells form muscle. And the cells in the second dish in environment B, a slightly different culture medium, the cells form bone. And the cells in the third Petri dish, with, again, a little different environment, the cells form fat cells. And you're left with a very important and profound question. What controls the fate of the cells? Well, in this experiment, we have to recognize all the cells are genetically identical. So you can't say that there were different genes active in each of these different things controlling the cells. What was different was the environment. Mm. And it basically said the information from the environment is used by the cell, to activate the genetics to complement the environment. So in this environment, the cells activate genes to form muscle. In the other environment, they activate genes to form bone. So the control was not in the genes. The control is in the environment. A very simple fact. If I take a, uh, a dish of healthy cells and move them to a less than healthy environment, the cells start to get sick. And mm. if you look in the Petri dish, these cells are getting sick and they're dying. And then you say, oh, wow, you should give those cells a medicine. And I go, absolutely not. The sick cells are sick because they're reflecting an environment that's not fully healthy. Mm. So basically, to bring health back to the system, you take the Petri dish from the bad environment, move it back into the good environment, and instantaneously the cells recover and get healthy. So the health of a cell is a complement to the environment. Well, you say, okay, Bruce, that's an experiment you did with cells in a plastic dish. but I'm a human being. What does this have to do with me? And then I go, interesting point. And I go like this. When you look in the mirror, Rhea, mm-hmm. you see yourself as a single human. You say, mm-hmm. oh, there, there's a single organism, a human, Rhea, or I look in the mirror, I see a single organism, mm-hmm. Bruce. And I go, this is a misperception because the truth is simply this. We are made out of 50 trillion cells. Amazing. The cells are the living entity. Right. When I say Bruce, I'm talking of a community of 50 trillion cells. So a human body, by definition, is a community of living things called cells. And in that understanding, then, there's a uh, humorous way of looking at it. A human being is a skin-covered Petri dish with 50 trillion cells inside And I say, it has culture medium. Yeah, I said, the blood, as a matter of fact, that's what we designed the culture medium from. So in your body, you have 50 trillion cells, you have a culture medium called blood, and then I say, the experiments reveal that the composition of the culture medium controls the fate of the cells. And you say, well, yeah, it was in a plastic dish, I say, it doesn't make a difference. If the cell's in a plastic dish or a skin dish, it still responds to the composition of the culture medium. So now I say, well, you have 50 trillion cells in your skin-covered dish. You have a culture medium called blood. That the chemical composition of that culture medium ultimately controls the fate of the cells. And then the most important question that you would then ask at this point is, well, what controls the chemistry of my blood? Because that's going to control my genetics. And I go, the brain is the Mm. chemist. The brain releases hormones and growth factors, emotional chemicals into the blood, these chemical signals affect the genetic activity and control the, the genetics of the cell. Mm-hmm. And I say, wow. Well, well, that's interesting because I say, well, what chemicals should a brain release into the blood? And then the last step is there's a mind. A mind is above the brain. The mind is viewing the environment. The mind is viewing your life. And basically, it interprets the environment, the mind says, good environment, bad environment. Why is this relevant? It's the interpretation of the mind that determines which chemicals are released into the blood. I'll give you a simple example. If you open your eyes and you see someone you love, the brain, in response to Mm -hmm. the the, uh, concept of love, uh, the interpretation of love, releases some wonderful chemicals, including dopamine for pleasure, oxytocin for bonding, growth hormone for the health of the cells. So interestingly,
1: mm-hmm. the blood
2: as a, as a medium, culture medium, in a state of love, the blood is, is filled with these wonderful chemicals. That if I add the chemicals that come from a brain in love into a plastic Petri dish, the cells grow beautifully. And I say, yeah, of course, when people fall in love, they glow, they're healthy, life is so beautiful. I say, yeah, because the blood culture medium contains these wonderful elements that come from interpretation of love. But then I say, the very same person opens their eyes and sees something that scares them. Well, the chemicals of love are not released by the brain. The chemicals of fear are released by the brain. I say, oh, fear causes stress hormones, inflammatory agents to be added to the blood. I say, why is that relevant? Because those elements that come from a brain interpreting fear, those chemicals released by that brain, if I add them to a plastic Petri dish, the cells stop growing and begin to die. And if you understand what that means, it says Mm -hmm. the culture medium, the blood of a person living in fear, has chemistry that does not support the growth and health of the cells. Essentially, fear kills because the chemistry of the growth medium is not supportive. So That's true. now it comes down to a simple point. It says the character of your genetic behavior is based on the environment, but more importantly, our perception of the environment, because our brain is reading the environment, mm-hmm. interpreting it, and through chemistry, telling the cells in the body what's going on. And why is that relevant? Because you could live in a healthy, most wonderful, supportive environment ever, But if you perceive, if you believe this is not supporting, the cells in your body don't see the real environment. They just see your interpretation. Mm -hmm. So if you perceive a negative environment, then you're going to release negative chemicals into the blood, and that will cause negative effects on the growth of the cells. And all of a sudden you realize we were taught that genes control our biology. We don't control the genes. So we're victims of our heredity, whatever... Bad genes are running in your family. You say, oh my God, I could get that cancer gene. I could get that cancer, or I can get uh, heart disease, and I, uh, because I have the genes. And I go, no, no. The new biology is different than the old biology. The old biology, where genes control, mm-hmm. uh, is, is called uh, genetic determinism—the belief that genes control the character. And I say, Why, why is that relevant? Because. We didn't pick the genes as far as we know. If we don't like the characteristics we have, we can't change the genes. And then you realize, oh, my God, I'm powerless. I have no power. My genes have power because they control me. And then you give up, right? So you just kind of like, you said, that's the way it is. That's the program. It says, why why Mm -hmm. even try? You have no responsibility in this. You carry the genes, period. Well, that's called genetic control, which simply means control by genes. The new science, which was uh, what I saw in my tissue cultures 47 years ago, says, no, the genes are not controlling this, that it's the environmental situation that's controlling it. And now there's a new science, a whole field of science that recognizes this, and it's called epigenetics. Mm -hmm. You say, well, it sounds like genetics. And I go, that little word epi in the front, (laughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. that little word epi in the front, uh, it, is, it means above. So when I say epigenetic control, I am literally above, saying yeah. control above the genes. And all of a sudden I say, "What's the, what control above the genes? I said, your perception and your environment. And if you change your perception or you change your environment, then you're controlling the genes. Well, all of a sudden, we're not victims of our genes. By definition, we are masters. My Why? Heart. We're the ones that can change the environment, we're the ones that can change the perception, and therefore we're not locked into a genetic readout. And this, just to give an example of it, uh, recently Angeli Jolie had a double mastectomy right. because she had the BRCA1 gene. Well, what is she telling people out in the public? She's saying, oh my god, I'm a rich person, <coughs> and I have all the best care, and I got all this stuff, and I have this BRCA1 gene, and what I'm recommending is to have a mastectomy. And I'm going, wow, this is quite unfortunate because the gene, the BRCA1 gene that she has, does not cause cancer. And I say that very simply by this fact. 50% of the women that have the BRCA1 gene do not have cancer. And why is that relevant? Because it says having the gene didn't cause the cancer. Having the gene and something else caused the cancer, that something else is our behavior our mind, our consciousness. That it
1: controls
2: it. That's absolutely what it is. And then all of a sudden you realize if consciousness is controlling the genes and you control your consciousness, then you're not a victim of your genetics. You're the one that can change it. And, and so uh, genes don't control anything. i mean, to just give you a simple fact. A gene is a blueprint, a molecular blueprint, to make the proteins, which are the building blocks of the body. So the body's proteins, which give us uh, our characteristics, are programmed by blueprints called genes. Why is that relevant? Because if you go to an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint and you say to her, is your blueprint on or off? She'll look at you like, what are you crazy? (laughs) It's a blueprint. No on and off. I go, exactly, precisely. There's no on and off to a gene. A gene has no ability to turn on or affect itself. It's just a blueprint. And once we start to realize that, we realize Genes didn't make decisions. Genes are just blueprints. The contractor is the one who reads the blueprints and can modify them. So that's the protein, right? That's the
1: block. The the protein the proteins
2: are the product of the blueprints. But then I say who reads the blueprints? Who selects the blueprints and and can modify them? I say the mind. The mind. And all of a sudden you realize oh my God, the mind turns genes on and off, not the genes. And then why is that important? Because You're the one that controls the mind. So farthest thing from being a victim, we are masters of our biology, except we've been programmed to be victims. And if that's what you believe and that's what the mind says, the mind says I'm a victim, then the mind will manifest victim. And that's what we have to to get people to understand, is that the new biology, epigenetics, is a biology that reveals how you respond to the world, how you perceive the world, is really what controls your biology.
1: You know, when you're talking, I'm 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 taking notes here, and I have to tell you, I think what it comes down to is us taking responsibility, and not, you know, I mean, when we understand this concept, I mean, it, you simplify it so well that I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So I I give you example. I mean, these are things that happen in our life every single day. You don't have to even think about like, you know, what you have been doing in the lab, you know, studying the the, the cells and stuff like that. I mean, just look at your life. I mean, how many times if someone come to a person and say, oh my God, you look sick or you don't feel, you don't look good or is something wrong with you. What happens? You automatically start feeling in your body. You automatically take in that information <laughs> and then, you know, your body is responding to it by giving you exactly what you really perceived it to be. It's like, oh, it must be something really seriously wrong, you know, and that's why <laughs> this person is seeing that in me, right? I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah.
2: Well, the the thing is, most people are very familiar with a concept called the placebo effect. Right. And I say, what is the placebo effect? I say, well, a sick person goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, oh, I have the newest medicine right here, and it's going to really heal you. And the doctor gives the patient this new medicine. The patient goes home, takes the medicine, and then the result heals, and then says, oh, the medicine healed me. Then we find out the medicine was a sugar pill. What's Mm -hmm. the point about the placebo effect? We believe the medicine is what healed you, but actually it wasn't the medicine. It was the belief in the medicine that healed you, not the medicine. Belief healed you. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, that's like the positive thinking influence of of our thoughts on our health, that this drug is going to heal me, and and I got healed, but then later find out the drug didn't do anything. And everyone goes, yeah, placebo effect, very powerful. Positive thinking (laughs) leads to healing in this case. And then I have to add this. Because this is the part that's not discussed. And mm-hmm. what's not discussed is the most important thing, and that is this positive beliefs affect us and result in a placebo. But what about negative beliefs? And it turns out negative beliefs are equally powerful in controlling your life, but they work in the opposite direction. Well, a positive belief can heal you, a negative belief, and in science it's called a nocebo the nocebo belief, the negative belief, can actually kill you. And it turns out it was the belief that was powerful, positive and negative. We only focus on placebo and say positive thinking and disregard that negative thinking has any influence at all. It turns out, oh, my God, negative influence is equally powerful. So as much as positive can heal you, negative can make you sick and kill you. And it turns out virtually all the illness on this planet Less than 1% is due to genetics. So, yeah, genetics can influence health. But less than 1% 1 of the population's ill health is directly due to genetics. Relevance, 99% of the people who are sick, it's not their genes or their biochemistry. Um. It's their belief system that is changing the culture medium that controls the fate of their cells in a negative way and causing an illness from what could be very healthy genes. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. Um, When children are adopted into a family where there's cancer running in the family, the adopted children will generally get the same family cancer at the same percentage as natural siblings in the family, but then recognize this. The adopted child came from totally different genetics. And so the expression of the cancer wasn't the genetics, It was being in the family where beliefs are acquired. And that's where the disease came from, the beliefs that were passed in the family, not the genes that are passed in the family. And this this is important because if beliefs are controlling this, and think about the simple reality. If I change my beliefs, I change my life, and I go, precisely. That is so true. um, Yeah, so we're not victims except in our belief
1: yeah and you know what a lot of people don't i mean i I think you know the the fact that the, i i mean we we've talked about beliefs here on the on the show so many different time and, and I'm sure you know some of the people you know um like dr Eldon Taylor you know he wrote the book uh-huh. about yeah when uh, uh what you believe matters and it is so true I mean it's just like take it and simplify it in your life and you realize most of the problem comes from what you were programmed to believe or whatever information you're constantly receiving that is not serving. Your purpose, right? So we just like take on. I mean, fear is embedded in everything, you know, around us. Well,
2: yeah, that's a a natural process for a simple reason. When we're very young, we acquire the concept called uh, mortality, meaning that we don't live forever. (laughs) And as children, we grab onto the the importance of, oh my God, I want to stay alive. And, And therefore, every action that we do there's an unconscious processing that you don't see it. But every action we do is being judged by the unconscious mind as, is this supporting your life or is this threatening your life? Mm -hmm. And you don't realize how much of our life is controlled by the unconscious processing of this information, which says if something threatens our life, then we move away from it. And if something supports our life, we move toward it. And this is not in our conscious mind. It's below our conscious mind. It's there to save us and protect us. And so these unconscious beliefs become very powerful in shaping the behavior that we have.
1: You know, I know I've heard you saying. um, I know you. uh, I'm sure it was from the book, the biology belief. When you know, when you talked about the cell, you know, the brain of the cell is the nucleus, right? And you said if we take the, if you take the nucleus, and the the cell would actually survive for a long time. But then when it, it get introduced to the environment. It can, you know, it doesn't last. I can't remember exactly how long you said, like, was it three months or six months? The cel-
2: cells can live for three or more months with no genes with, in them. Without, yeah. A- and their very complex behaviors are going on. And so why is that relevant? Because the textbooks say all of behavior is controlled by the genes. Right. And then we have these cells that are living three or four months with no genes in them because we take out the nucleus of the cell. Right. And I say, yeah, so what's controlling behavior? It's not genes and that was like oh we that was a light bulb right
1: yeah yeah and amazing me. i mean such a great stuff i i am like so beyond myself you have no idea I'll be speaking with you about this because this is like so i live and breathe this stuff but we're going to give you a little break so you can grab a, some water or something and know you were coughing and then we'll come back and we will continue we're going to talk about your latest book the honeymoon effect and say why dr bruce lifton would are right about relationship and it all comes together i know because <laughs> it is so we'll, <laughs> you, we, we will be right back stay tuned
2: David Kenneth Waldman founded To Love Children. When I met Dr. David Kenneth Waldman in my office, uh, when I was the minister in charge of gender, and he came to sell me this idea, his vision of of, uh, the girl child education, I embraced it because I thought this is the way we would be able to empower our young girls. Please go to tolovechildren.org and donate. Thank you for helping me to take my passion and turn it into action.
1: We can all take part. We can definitely all take part. Thank you so much for joining us. You are listening to Your Life Now Radio Show, and I am your host, Coach Ria. I am so excited. We have a great guest here in the the studio with us, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, the pioneer in the new biology, and he is internationally recognized as the leader in bridging the gap between science and spirit. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Lipton.
2: Uh, Ria, please call me
1: Bruce. I I know, I know, but I can't help myself. (laughs) I thank
2: you for this, but... Uh, this is really exciting because, uh, as you said, we're going to move into the understanding of the honeymoon effect. So let me, let me just uh, give a definition about honeymoon effect, and it means this. No matter how your life is running, no matter how many things are not working right and how unhappy you are about life, the moment you find someone that you can fall in love with and you start to fall in love, your life changes virtually instantaneously. Sure. The day before you met this person, your life could have been just the same old pain in life that it was. And then you meet this person, and guess what? The first thing is you start to feel very healthy as you start to recognize the love for this person. And and the health part is very interesting because the perception or the belief of love releases chemicals into the culture medium, the blood, which we talked about. And these chemicals control the fate of the cells. So when I take the chemicals released by a brain that perceives love, which include wonderful things such as dopamine, which gives us pleasure, oxytocin, which uh, gives us bonding relationships, or vasopressin, which makes us more attractive and uh, prepares us for a relationship. When these are released by a brain that perceives love, and those are the chemicals that match love, um, if I took those chemicals and put them in a plastic Petri dish with cells, the cells grow beautifully. And I say, yes, exactly, and your skin-covered Petri dish inside your body, 50 trillion cells, uh, responding to blood that contains these elements, the person becomes healthy and glows, and that's why uh, people that are in love, you can see it, they, they radiate this, this healthy mm-hmm. aspect, because the chemistry mm-hmm. of their culture medium is very supportive. And, and then, but I also say, is that our life changes, that they, before we fell in love, life was everyday, regular troubles and, you know, all the things that we face, and then the day you fall in love, it's like, oh my God, it's so beautiful that you can't wait for the next day to have more. It's essentially like creating heaven on earth. And I go, well, this is a very abrupt change. It happened one day before, no good life, day after love, beautiful heaven on earth life. And I go, this was not an accident or coincidence, but there's an understanding behind it. And it goes like this. The mind controls the biology because the mind interprets the world and releases chemistry into the blood, the culture medium which controls the genetics and behavior. So your mind interpretation is translated into biological activity. So I say, yeah, but there's two parts to the mind, and this is the biggest issue all of us have to face, is that we look at the mind as, oh, a mind, a single thing called the mind, and the truth is, no, no, the mind is composed of two parts that interact with each other, but they're two separate entities. One is called the conscious mind, Mm-hmm. And one is called the subconscious mind. They're not the same thing. And most importantly, they have different functions, and they learn in different ways. If you don't understand that, then there's tremendous confusion about how the mind works. So l- let me just quickly just uh, th- review this and say, the latest evolution of the brain is the conscious mind. And that's a, a, a lump of brain tissue behind your forehead uh, called the prefrontal cortex, it's the home base of consciousness. It's the home base of where you as a unique individual live. It's the home base where your spirit enters into the body, into this uh, lobe of tissue behind your forehead. So imagine there's a desk and your spirit sits in behind a desk and now looking out the eyes and seeing the world as you're moving around, the conscious spirit is, is, is watching this, okay? The conscious mind uh, is creative, And this is what allows us to be different than the lower animals. Lower animals, uh, their behavior is mainly reflexive, like input, output, stimulus, response, very just, uh, you know, push the button, create the behavior. And when you get to the conscious mind, between the stimulus and the outgoing response, creativity can generate all different kinds of things. So no longer are you locked into just reflex behavior. The conscious mind can create all new opportunities. And so conscious mind is creative. And uh, and this is why it's so important, Rhea, because if I ask you or anyone out there, I say, Mm -hmm. what do you want from your life? Realize the answer to that question comes from a creative mind, the one that's creating a vision that doesn't exist. So by definition, when I ask you what you want from your life, the answers come from the conscious, creative mind. So simple point. The conscious mind, by definition, has your wishes, your desires, your aspirations for life. What do you want from your life? It's the processing of the conscious mind that will create that future. And I go, well, that's really cool. I said, what about the other mind? I said, well, the other mind, the subconscious mind, was actually there before the conscious mind evolved. And the subconscious mind represents maybe like 90% of the brain. And I say, well, what's the difference? I say, well, the conscious mind is creative. The subconscious mind is the habit mind. It's habitual. You learn a program. It gets downloaded just like a little computer program. And when thought. you push play, mm-hmm. you push the behavior.
1: Right. And
2: it's interesting because so many of us think the subconscious mind is the evil place where all the evil things come from. And this is totally incorrect. The subconscious mind is the equivalent of a record Mm playback device Uh, like a a CD player today you can record something on a CD and every time you push play it plays it back Mm -hmm. and uh, I say well this is like the subconscious mind it's a database of programs and it's not thinking it's just push the button play the habit over and over and over and over again and once you put a habit in there it'll stay that way well why is this uh, mind relevant because number one before you can be conscious think about this if you're a brand new baby just coming out of the birth canal and you could speak just let's consider that for a second and your your head is just coming out of the birth canal i see you and i say tell me something and the baby will look up and go i don't know anything i just got here Mm. so basically it says a child cannot be conscious creative or thinking until there are programs built into the subconscious mind, because then the consciousness can go into the subconscious and review the programs and select what they want to do. Uh, another way of looking at it is if you buy a brand new iPod and you take it out of the box, there's a little wheel on the front that they, they call the click wheel, and it's the wheel that you can select the programs of your playlist, make what you want, push play, push stop, control it. So think of this, uh, the iPod, the little click wheel is the equivalent of the conscious mind because it's the creative part. I say, you got a brand new iPod, take it out of the box, push play.
1: And it's going to play happens. what you put it, yeah.
2: There are no programs.
1: But if so there isn't the anything, mind, yeah, yeah. I use the computer as a reference to <laughs> the psychology. Because, you know, well, we have tons of programs on the computer, right? And some of them well, are that's working exactly, fine. The
2: brain is a computer. Right. That's what it does. And there's two parts. There's the creative part of the Mm -hmm. computer. So when you open up the desktop and you open up a program, let's say an art program, and you create some artwork, you're creating with a program. Mm -hmm. If you have no program, you can't do anything. So just like the iPod, we can't have consciousness until we have programs. So nature devised the system to work this way, and it works like this. The brain has different vibrational frequencies that it operates at, and I say that based on if you put electrical wires on your head and read the electrical activity of the brain, it's called EEG, Mm -hmm. uh, I can read your brain function. And as adults, we have a whole range of different vibrations from very low vibration delta, which is sleeping, to the highest vibration, which is beta and actually gamma, which is active uh, focused consciousness. Uh, There's a range. A child when it's born does not have the whole range of vibration. The child basically is predominantly in a low vibration called theta, which is a vibration below consciousness. Consciousness is a little higher vibration called alpha. So what's the point? A child for the first 7 years is not predominantly expressing alpha consciousness. And the reason of course is to be conscious first you have to have programs. So theta The lower vibration is actually hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So for the child's first seven years, how does it know how to be a member of a family and how to be a member of a community and to be a part of a culture? The answer is, how many rules? If I had a rule book and and said, Rhea, how many rules are in this book to be a member, a functional member of our family and community? You say, oh, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules of how to behave. I go, how do you teach an infant these rules? The answer is, you don't have to. The brain is in hypnosis, so the child observes the father, the mother, the siblings, the community, observes their behavior and downloads it as the child's own behavior. So the original behavioral programs in the mind that go into the subconscious, where the programs are, are not our behaviors. They don't have our wishes and our desires. They're your family's behavior and your community's behavior, so the fundamental programs that are first introduced into the mind, the subconscious mind, are programs from other people. Okay, and they say, yeah, but the conscious mind is creative, so basically I don't really care about the subconscious mind. I'm going to create my life with my wishes and desires from my conscious mind. I go, very interesting thought, but here's the problem. This <laughs> is the monkey wrench. What are you doing and, with the, the, with the stuff that
1: is already in your subconscious mind?
2: Yeah. Oh, the, the monkey wrench is... Um, the conscious mind has one unique characteristic that the subconscious doesn't have, and that is the conscious mind can think. And why I say that's relevant, if I say, Rhea, tell me what you're doing next Thursday. And what happens is for a moment, your conscious okay, mind you. has to let go of the current moment as you go back into your head trying to figure out, what am I doing on Thursday? Mm-hmm. Well, why is that important And the answer? Because it represents this. When your conscious mind is thinking, it's not paying attention it's off into thought. And therefore, uh, then the conscious mind's not controlling biology when you're thinking. And I go, yeah, for example, if you're walking down the street and you have a thought, you don't freeze until the thought is finished. You continue walking, or if you're driving the car and you have a thought, you continue driving, or if you're doing your job and you have a thought, uh, you continue your job because driving, walking, doing the job uh, are programs that we put into the subconscious. You don't have to think about them; just push the button, they'll do it automatically. Why is this relevant? The answer is this: science has revealed that we're conscious of using our wishes and desires mind only about five percent of the time. Well, relevance then? If, why is it so such a small amount? The answer is because science has revealed that our conscious mind is thinking ninety-five percent of the time. I go, what's the relevance of that? And I say. Well, then 95% of your day, your behavior is not controlled by your wishes and desires, conscious mind. It's controlled by the programs in the subconscious mind. 95% of the day, because we're thinking. And I go, wow, Well, but the programs in the subconscious mind primarily came from other people. So when I'm thinking, mm-hmm. the behaviors I'm playing don't represent my wishes and desires. Mm-hmm. They represent the program. So I am not creating my life for my wishes and desires. I'm creating it from the program, and the program is really from other people, because that was what was downloaded in the subconscious, and therefore, we go out in the morning thinking, I'm going toward my wishes and desires. I'm going to go out and find the best job possible. I'm going to find a great relationship. I'm, I'm going to be healthy, and that's what I start out with in the morning, and then I come home and find, oh my God, I never really got to where I wanted to go, and I go, because the mind that is creating that only operates 5% of the time. So your life is really, uh, uh, you know, programmed by your developmental experiences from seven, which is other people's behaviors. Well, there's a movie, many people have seen it, called The Matrix. Oh, yes. Uh, and The Matrix is <laughs> interesting because I say, where do you find The Matrix in a video? store? say, oh, that's in science fiction. And I go, no, <laughs> guess what? Matrix is not science fiction. Matrix is documentary. Right. We have been programmed. And, and the idea is our lives reflect the nature of our programming. If we have been programmed to be disempowered, if we have been programmed to, to think, oh, we don't deserve something, or we're not that smart, or we're not that beautiful, or we're not that lovable, or we can't do these things, if that's the program we got during development, sure. 95% of the day, that's running your biology. And, and it's not what you wanted, but it was the nature of the programming. And in the movie, The Matrix, they talk about, well, you got a choice to take two pills. You could take the blue pill and go back into the program and live your life as normal, or take the red pill and get out of the program. <laughs> and be
1: adventurous. yes, yes.
2: And, and, and the most beautiful part about this is almost everybody out there has taken the red pill, whether they knew it or not, is when they fell in love. Mm. I say, well, how, what, what happened? I go, Remember, when you fell in love, no matter how your normal life was up to that moment, the moment you fall in love, it's like it's heaven on earth. It's everything you wanted. Things are so beautiful, your wishes and desires, and and it's just coming true. And I go, the reason is this. On a normal day-by-day basis, science says we only use our conscious mind, wishes, and desires, 5%. And 95% of our behavior comes from the programming, which came from other people. But science has also recognized that when you fall in love, you actually reverse that and you start living mindfully, meaning you keep your conscious mind present and don't let it wander off into thought. Remember, when your conscious mind is thinking and you're not paying attention, then you automatically play the programs. Mm -hmm. But if you keep your conscious mind present, being mindful, they call that, then you're controlling your life with your wishes and desires. So basically it says... You have this normal life, things just don't work out really very well, blah, 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 life. And then the day you fall in love, it's like, oh, heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. You're healthy, you're energized, life Mm -hmm. is so beautiful. I go, what's different? I say, this is the first time that you're not operating from the program in the subconscious mind. You're operating from the conscious mind's wishes and desires. And I say, well, what do you manifest with that? And the answer is wishes and desires. And that's called heaven on earth. And that's called being in love. And then people say, well, this honeymoon doesn't seem to last. Sometimes it's just a few days, a week, a month, maybe if you're lucky, a year. But then life returns back to normal again, which isn't the really good the one, but programs. that's the normal one.
1: Right. And I say,
2: why, why, what happened? And I say, you fell in love, and you didn't play the programs, and you operated from wishes and desires. But as life goes on, you can't stay mindful all the time because our life is so busy. We have to think about things like paying the rent, Mm -hmm. fixing the car, doing the jobs. Well, the moment you start thinking what happens, you default to the subconscious programs. And here's where the problem comes from. You created a honeymoon effect with your partner because both of you were creating from conscious wishes and desires. So the beginning of a relationship only has two minds each person's conscious mind is manifesting wishes and desires and that's called the honeymoon but as life gets busy and the couple's minds start thinking about the things they have to do they start playing the programs from the subconscious mind which never played during the honeymoon and all of a sudden these behaviors that come out that are completely different than the behaviors during the honeymoon where you know love and wishes and desires were expressing themselves Psychologists tell us 70% or more of the programs in the subconscious mind that were downloaded in there are disempowering, self-sabotaging, limiting behaviors. And I go, why is that relevant? Because when you were on the honeymoon, you didn't default to the mm-hmm. subconscious and you created from wishes and desires. But the moment your mind starts to get busy, you automatically default, start playing these negative programs. And, and, and you, as the person who's playing the program, Don't see it. And here this is is the monkey wrench in the mess, and it goes like this. When I'm playing a subconscious program, why am I playing it? The answer is because my conscious mind's busy. I go, oh, well, then when my conscious mind's busy, by definition, it's not observing my behavior. And therefore, if I play negative behavior while I'm thinking, I'm the one that doesn't see it. Everyone else does. So in my, my lectures, Ray, I, I give a story. And I say, look, I know back in your history uh, you were very close to someone. Uh, you, knew, you, know, you knew their behavior very, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you also knew their parent. And one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you volunteer. You go, hey, you know, Bill, you're just like your dad. And you back away from Bill. Because Bill goes ballistic and says, how can you compare me to my dad? Well, everyone in the audience laughs because they've had experiences like that. And I go, this is the most profound story I can tell you for a simple reason. Everyone else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. I say, why is that? And I say, well, he got the behavior during his development by observing Mm -hmm. his father. It was downloaded as a program in the subconscious. When he's playing his father's behavior, the only reason he's playing it is his conscious mind's busy thinking. So when he plays this negative behavior from his father, he's the one that doesn't see it, but everyone else does. And, and when you say, what kind of behavior is that? He's, talk, he's thinking, what are you talking about? Because he didn't see the behavior himself. So here's the story. We've been programmed. We got 70% negative programming the subconscious. We live by that day by day, and our life is regular life. And then we fall in love. And I go, oh, first moment of life where you don't uh, default to the subconscious. You, because everything you want is in front of you. Live in the it. woman or right. the band right. you were looking for is right there, right. why would you let your mind wander? So guess what? You keep your conscious mind present. And I go, cool, why? that mind is operating on wishes and desires. So when two people are falling in love, they're creating life based on wishes and desires. And we call this the honeymoon. But then I say, down the road, you get busy, and you start thinking. And the moment you start thinking, you introduce the other mind. The conscious mind got you into the honeymoon, but now that you're busy, you default to the subconscious. But it's got programs from other people. It's not the program of you. And these behaviors, as I said, are generally negative. So you have a honeymoon, conscious mind thinking, uh, and then your conscious mind um, gets into uh, thinking about things uh, and, and not paying attention. You start playing the subconscious programs. These are not your behaviors. You got them from other people. They don't support who you are. And the result is you start introducing negative behaviors into the relationship. But you yourself don't see it. Your partner sees it because you didn't see it because your conscious mind was busy. And the issues are then, this is where two people in a honeymoon start to separate from each other because uh, one sees the bad behavior and says to the other, what kind of behavior is that? I, I love the, the, the one response that is almost universal when a negative behavior comes out from your partner and you go, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> where did that come from? And Uh, And then you have to realize, well, what's the problem? Well, if I just played a negative behavior and you said to me, "What kind of behavior is that?" You have to realize, I didn't see what I just said. I was thinking, and and all of a sudden now you surprise me by saying that I just had this bad behavior, and in my conscious mind, I wouldn't have done that.
1: I wouldn't. Yeah. Oh my God. And
2: now there's a breakdown of the communication. Because I'm being accused of having negative behavior, and like Bill, I didn't see the behavior, so now I'm completely lost as to what is going on here. And that's the ego in the
1: subconscious mind comes up and just say, hey, wait a second, you know, (laughs) right? Yeah. And then the belief comes up. And you want to
2: defend yourself against somebody just said you're not being you, Mm -hmm. and you're thinking, what are you talking about? I've always been me, because you didn't see what you did. Well, as these behaviors start to get introduced, the subconscious behaviors, they were, remember, they were not playing during the beginning when the honeymoon was, was going because we stayed conscious, and this played from wishes and desires. But as our lives get busy and we start introducing these subconscious behaviors, and again, most of them negative, um, we start to undermine the relationship without even knowing we're doing it. And this leads to a breakdown of the honeymoon because as some of these negative behaviors show up, your partner who is seeing them, and you don't see them when you're doing them, just like Bill, you don't see you're acting like, let's say in my case, my father, uh, and maybe my father's behavior wasn't that good in relationships, so now I'm doing my father in this relationship, it's not that good. My partner experiences it, I didn't see it because it played when I was thinking, and, and, and then my partner has to go, gee, that behavior isn't so great, And then make a decision. Well, can you still have a relationship with this negative behavior? And then it's like a compromise. It says, well, yeah, we had this honeymoon. It was heaven on earth. It was beautiful. But this behavior is not so good. But, okay, I'll accept that as part of the relationship. But that's the first negative behavior to come in, first compromise. As time goes on, more and more of these subconscious behaviors start to show up. And each time, the other person in the relationship has to look at, which well, jeez, do I, I want to accept this as part of our relationship? At some point, maybe too many compromises, too many bad behaviors come in, and, and, and then the partner says, I can't be in this relationship anymore. And people are lost because they say, how did something that started out so beautiful end up this way? And the answer is, it started out beautiful because you were operating from conscious wishes and desires, and it ended up bad because uh, through the process of thinking... We defaulted to subconscious programs we got program. from mother, sabotage ourselves, and lose the relationship.
1: So let me, and, l- and let so me. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. going to interrupt you here for a second because my thoughts. I'm writing all the stuff down, but I got to ask you this. So if, if I know you said you know we, you know you're going to share with us uh, how to create you know um, heaven on earth here and get back into the hum- honeymoon um, state, but if we can actually start thinking about the reason why we fell in love to begin with. You know, like, because we were yeah. conscious of it. If we bring that conscious back to the surface, to think about what made me fall in love with this person to begin with. And I, I, I actually, I do it in my relationship all time. I mean, I've been married for 20 years and, and I got married young and I just like, you know what, I, I it was upside down and I know we were going to go our own different way. But then when I realized that same reason that made me fall in love with this person and wanted to marry him, you know, is that same reason that I'm still here in this relationship. It's not the differences, yeah. right?
2: Right. And, and so if you can stay in your conscious mind, then you always are back into the honeymoon. Uh, and once you default to the subconscious, unfortunately, you are to yourself invisibly playing programs that sabotage yourself. And so we, we always look at, uh, the world, we say, look, I go up in the morning to go get the things that I want, my wishes and my desires, and I come home at night, and I never really get there. And I have to say, well, Jesus, I was the one that was looking for wishes and desires, and it didn't happen, so the universe is against me. I'm a victim of fate. I'm a victim of this or that. But it wasn't me. I was looking for success. And it turns out the problem is we were shooting ourselves in our own foot because we were playing these programs invisibly and sabotaging our own selves. We weren't being, nature wasn't against us. It was our own invisible negative programming that we got in the first seven years that sabotages the relationship. So uh, uh, very briefly, uh, you you need to reprogram these. If you want to stay in a conscious, loving world, you have to recognize that, well, many of the programs we got, 70% or more, are negative, redundant disempowering, self sabotaging. And then I say, Well, if you want to change your life, then you have to rewrite the programs. And if you re just think of this. If you put into your subconscious new programs that represent your wishes and your desires, then think about it this way. Yeah, you, when you're operating from the conscious mind, you're moving toward wishes and desires. But if your mind starts thinking and you default into the subconscious, well in this case, guess what? You're still playing wishes and desires so by reprogramming the subconscious mind you can have a honeymoon experience that lasts a complete lifetime and and so it really gets down to understanding uh... that to change our world we have to reprogram the subconscious and and it's different than the conscious mind the conscious mind being creative learns very simply Read a self-help book. Go to a lecture. Listen to a show on the on the net. Uh, these are ways of Use educating mantras, the conscious Use mantras like mind.
1: affirmation to like constantly, yeah. you know, bring back those positive, you know, thinking in, into your mind. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. But it's, that's the
2: conscious mind that's learning. Right. The subconscious mind does not learn that way. That's why unfortunately, our conscious minds have all the great information, awareness. I read the self-help book. I understood exactly what it all meant. I go, aha, that's the answer. And then I realized even after I read the self-help book, my life is still exactly the same. I go, yeah, because you educated the conscious mind, but that only works 5%. Your subconscious still got the same program and will run 95%. So no matter how much we educate the conscious mind, if we don't educate the subconscious mind, which learns in a different way, then we will continue to maintain exactly the same life we've always had because the subconscious mind is running the show.
1: Bruce, isn't it, but I mean, I understand what you're saying and I'm 100% with you, but I think when when you keep training your subconscious mind to certain things, like if you put that information in your conscious and you get the information, you say, hey, wonderful. But if you create a habitual, if you create a new habit from what you have learned, that's where your subconscious mind will be trained. I mean, I know you said learning how to harness your mind will promote growth is the secret um, of life. And, yeah. it, but I mean, but does it not make sense? I mean, if you create, because that's what it is. The programs that we have in our subconscious yeah. mind are, are nothing but habits over the years exactly. become programs.
2: Right. And so if you change the habit, then what if you put a habit of uh, manifesting wishes? Right. then. Habitually, without even thinking about it, you'll always be going toward your wishes or your desires. So the freedom comes from, A, recognizing you're not really controlling your life with your wishes and desires because of conventional biology, 95% comes from the habits. But if you change the habits, then that 95% could be supporting you rather than right now, as most of us have been programmed, most of those habits are negative. So if we rewrite the subconscious, we can move forward in our lives and experience heaven on earth as a way of life, not just as a short moment.
1: Well, you know, I always say there is no um, um, a short, you know, everything that required of us, like our deliberate action, our deliberate thinking, our deliberate, you know, um, our programming, not just thinking like things are going to happen. I think when, you know, we started taking responsibility and that's why I know we, we took you over the hour, but I really wanted to address this because I, I you know, and, and tell people where they can get the book and all the good stuff. But, I mean, I think it's really important to understand that relationships, and I, I, you know, I was going to ask you that question. What made you want to write about this, anyway, to begin with?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the main thing is this. My own history was so bad on relationships that I gave up on the idea that love was real Actually, in my mind, thought, oh, that's just a Hollywood vision of what life is all about. It's not real life, because real life is this miserable thing I've been doing. <laughs> and when I understood the science of it and then used that science to reprogram, my life turned around mm-hmm. so dramatically that after 18 years of being in this honeymoon, I'm still in the honeymoon because I recognized that I could rewrite those things that were sabotaging me and when i decided why that was important is because if i'm creating heaven on earth in my conscious creative mind most everybody else will do exactly the same Relevance? if we all learn how to take care and reprogram then by definition all of us could manifest heaven on earth and then why is that relevant because Rather than the world we have right now, which is on the edge of collapse and crisis and all that because of human behavior, the way it's been, and that's what science has recognized. It says if we all change our behavior and manifest in heaven on earth, and by definition, the earth would actually represent heaven. And that okay. is available to us if we get out of our own way and reprogram mm-hmm. the negative the negative So
1: aspects. true. So true. I always say, it's like when people say heaven and earth, and, you know, I'm like, take a look around you. <laughs> see where you yes, are. Absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. It's
2: so beautiful when you see it that way, but if you switch into subconscious, then you're going to, you know, most of what I said is negative. You'll look for the negative things, and guess what? You'll find them. And then you say, oh, the earth is so negative. And I go, no, that's because that's what you selected. Because when you fell in love, same earth, different reality.
1: You know, I, 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 you know, listened, of course, read a lot of the stuff that you have out there, too. And, and I remember you said uh, your thoughts, your action, your behavior, all part of the creating process, everything. You know, I mean, Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's just and, amazing. And as you
2: mentioned, this is the understanding we are not victims, but we are responsible. Mm-hmm. We just didn't understand the mechanism. So if you don't understand how it works, then, then obviously this is why we ended up this way. But once we become aware, once we have knowledge, remember, knowledge is power. True. And with this knowledge, we are empowered to create a different life in a different world.
1: So true. So true. Oh, my God. So many questions I have here. I, I it's, it's so it's so hard to get everything fit in. But, you know, I have to tell I you. I know.
2: It takes about 12 hours. I'm
1: telling you. I, I swear. I'm like, I have notes and notes you, just, you have seen, you know. Oh, my goodness. Anyhow. But here's a couple of things that I wanted to share with our listeners. And so first, you know, where to go, get the books. It's everywhere. The Honeymoon Effect, uh, The Science of Creating, Heaven on Earth is available, of course, at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And, of course, you can go. And I do encourage you because I am a member of um, Dr. Bruce Lipton's website, which is www.brucelipton.com. So you can get every information, all the good stuff right there on the, um, the website. And uh, one more thing that I wanted to um, mention about the, the book, and I'm trying to see my notes here, because like I said, I have tons of stuff right in here. And I'm trying to figure, figure what I missed before I let you go. So here, I'm going to hand it over to you, let you wrap it up for us, and, and in close, give us a few tips on to take from, the, from today's show about you know the, the, the relationship. because I think you know relationship, I love how, by the way, that's one of the things I wanted to mention. I love how you you talk about us being like similar to ants. You know, and then how ants like we cannot because, you know, we all feel like separated, right? The whole it's been like so hard to find that connection again between human these days because of the technology. Of course, I'm not blaming the technology, but I think, you know, we are so distant than ever before, you know, as a human being. And uh, um, and then you said like, you know, take ants, for instance, which I think ants have we have a gene you know that we share a gene with ants right and you said if you oh, take, yeah. yeah if you take an ant by itself it will not survive it will die right but if you know if right. you notice how ants live they live in colony they work together they create together of course you said the, the fact i laughed at that one because you said we also slave you know <laughs> they slave <laughs> other ants like human do
2: but you know but then we we've been programmed to do that and if we change the program then we free ourselves from this this habitual way of life, because habit is easy. Mm. If you learn a habit, you don't have to think about it. And that's why they work so easily, because it's no thought process. Just push the button, it'll play the behavior. And so the way out of it is recognizing uh, we have been programmed. As I said, it's sort of like the Matrix. Uh, we've got this program, and we take the red pill uh, by falling in love, which means for the first time in your life, you do not follow the program of the subconscious. You actually run your life directly with wishes and desires, conscious mind, <coughs> excuse me, that's where heaven comes from. And the significance is if we could understand this and see how that subconscious sneaks in there and takes over, then we are free to change that and, uh, and rewrite the subconscious because the moment you do is the moment you have power again and not being controlled By the programs of others.
1: That is so true. And, you know, and I think we really need to to open ourselves up a little bit more and and stop being, you know, thinking it's just we are, like you said, you know, like when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see one, you know, just me, Rhea. When you look at yourself, you see Bruce. But it's we are combination of harmonious mo- trillion how many cells that live in our body that work in, in harmony to create who, what we see in that mirror and I think that should be a reflection on the outside too when we you know we interact with other people and everything in our life to create the life and I want to quote one thing that I read you said um, he said the humanity is emerging every day and the more we open our mind and become one with nature, the greater the healing effect is upon the earth. And I I, I love that. I think that was like, you know, it's it's so true. I mean, I I think the earth. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So simple and so true. And again, if we never had the knowledge that, you know, we say knowledge is power and everyone yes say, oh, yeah, I recognize that. But more importantly, the same statement is a lack of knowledge is a lack of power. And we have been deprived of this very important knowledge of self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. So when we don't have that knowledge, just by definition, we are uh, powerless.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: to change our world is just to understand the knowledge and then apply that knowledge.
1: Yep. That is so true. Again, I am so honored to have you. And I hope you can come back again and share all that great stuff with us because I definitely enjoyed you and enjoyed having you here. And I know our listeners, I know, you know, people were saying that they're going to be sharing the show with other people because, you know, you shared a lot of great information. I do appreciate you. Much love. Bruce?
2: Who are going to change our world? And I really appreciate your audience. Oh and my thank God! Thank you for thank offering you. a platform.
1: Oh, thank you so much! Until next time, my friends, stay amazing the way you are, and 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 with all love and gratitude to you. Thank you. Take care. I'm losing you. I can't hear you too well. You can, oh, oh. can hear. Okay, I didn't know. I thought you were closing the show. Oh, okay. No, I was closing the show, but I didn't hear your response. So I wasn't sure if you saw oh, there. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, I, again, uh, thank you, and, <laughs> and thank the audience for listening. Oh, thank you. I thank you. the audience for listening because uh, evolution is going to happen because of the individuals, not because some government is going to help us evolve. Oh, so So that true. means we're really responsible. And if we take on responsibility and change our lives, then we're actually moving into an evolutionary future where that we can thrive into, uh, not the one right now, which is in a state of collapse, because the programming is, is uh, not in alignment with knowledge. It's, uh, we're, we're operating out of harmony with the world, and the new knowledge is the one that says uh, harmony is what holds us together.
1: So true, so true. El, my friend, thanks again for being here. Enjoy the rest of beautiful California. Uh, day. I know it's thank still you, early yeah. there, <laughs> and have a okay. wonderful one. Okay, <laughs> until thank next time. So until next time. Yes, of course. My all pleasure. Right. and honor. Okay. Well, my friends, I conclude our show for today, and I do actually thank you all, you know, for listening and for joining us and for sharing share the show with everybody else. I mean, Doctor Lipton had shared a lot of great information. I do encourage you to go and and check out, you know, his latest book, The Honeymoon Effect the science of uh creating habit on earth and you can do it like as i mentioned to you it's all a matter of if of being conscious of what you're doing and then you know create a new habit if something is not serving you in your life take a look at it what is working for you and what is not working for you
0: your life now radio show with coach ria will return in just a few moments
1: My friends, welcome back! I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Bruce Lipton, the amazing Bruce Lipton. So happy and uh, to share again with you guys as our highlight of 2014, Part Three. So next week, it's Christmas. Um, Thursday will be Christmas, so we might just drop by to wish everybody happy um, and Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday to all who's celebrating whatever you are celebrating. I hope you are celebrating something. So, of course, I just wanted to also mention from the interview, I shared with you some footage in the beginning of uh, something that was not, uh, in the original recording, because that was off the air between myself and Doctor uh, Bruce Lipton when we were on the phone before we brought him on the air. So, <laughs> so I, I thought it would be nice to share it, so you can share. Uh, so I can share with you something that is real. And until next week, my friends, stay amazing. I hope you're enjoying this holiday season, and and uh, remember, be safe, enjoy, be in the moment, and it's not about the things; it's about the experience is about sharing and caring. So share a lot of love. Don't share things. Things are things. They come and go. But the love and and the compassion and the kindness will last a lifetime. So much love to you guys, and we will talk to you next Thursday. Thank you so much.